people our age think they can grow beards, but it's really just stubble. <laughs> Watch out, Pavement Sweat Army. The Celtics are in trouble. Nice. <laughs> Sorry about that. Creativity. Um, yeah, you know, we like to use weird intros. I'm Ryan. Trip here. Second half of Pavement Sweat. First half of Pavement Sweat. And we got a Ryan brand new here. episode yeah, we on do. the block. Because it's Monday. It's Monday. We're back with Mondays. Bringing back. When was the last time we did a Monday? Last week. Oh. But normally we, we've been switching it up. But yeah, we're back. Yeah. We are back with the Monday Pavement Sweat episodes. And it's summer. It's summer. For us. Our last day of school is come and gone. Yeah, it has. Crazy. Look at us. It's midday. We yeah. should be at school. It's 12-12. Like all the um, underclassmen. <laughs> <laughs> but of course we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're here to talk about basketball. Yeah, we are. And also to tell you to buy some Pavement Sweat merch, merch. if you haven't already, which is in the link... In the bio of our Instagram. And in the in this description. Yes, there is a link at the bottom of this episode that you're currently listening to that contains the portal into the merch store. Yeah, yeah. Some pretty nice stuff. Yeah. Hoodies, shirts, mugs, hats. Delivered right to your door. Right to your door. In a timely manner. Yeah. Yeah. So get it now. Good prices, too. So yeah, for real. Make sure you do that. But now let's just let's go ahead and get into the episode. We've got... Two big things to talk about, and that yeah. is the NBA playoffs and the NBA draft lottery. And we're going to start that. with the more time-sensitive one, which is the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So, For real. Let's start off with the more interesting series yeah. by default, mm-hmm. which is Boston versus Miami. That's the two-seed Boston <clears throat> versus the first-seed Miami Heat. I don't know what to make of the series. Right now, the Heat are up 2-1 on the Celtics. I predicted that this series would not be very close, that Boston would take a convincing lead early on and never let go of it. But that has not been what has happened. What do you make of this series so far through three games? Mm. Well, through three games, I mean, game two was a rout. Game one was a rout. Yes. And game three wasn't as close as it appeared. Yes. Um, so it's been coaching. It's been a coaching battle. I agree with this. And I think to talk about game three specifically, because it's obviously the most important game that's been played so far, because you know one team is up two to one, and that's the Heat. Um, the Celtics started Daniel Tice probably to give more... Looking, I mean, looking at this matchup schematically, the biggest weakness Boston has is size. Mm-hmm. They're not nearly as big as the Heat. Um, and from a schematic standpoint, you know, they put Tyson because he's over Grant Williams, which offensively is confusing yeah. a little bit. And also defensively. And defensively, it's a little, a little bit <laughs> confusing. I, I mean, I know that they tried to get, you know, Tyson's, even though he's 6'9", he's bigger than Grant Williams. Yeah, by a lot. I don't know if he's stronger than Grant Williams. I think he is, probably. Maybe a little bit, because, you know, he's bigger. Just based on body mass. But that did nothing to stop Bam in Game 3. Yeah, that's the And Bam is the key. If if the Heat are going to win this series, Bam is the key offensively. Uh, Butler is injured. He's playing minutes restrictions. Really? He's playing like, right? He's playing like 20... He didn't play very much in Game Three. Well, that's because he he got injured in Game Three. Yeah, so yeah. he's gonna play. He's gonna play, but he's 
It might be restricted. I heard last night during the Mavericks game the broadcasters talking about it, and they were like, he'll probably you know play a minute. Knowing Spolstra, he probably will be. They'll probably figure out a way for him not to play as much as he normally does because yeah. they're so team oriented. Yeah, they'll figure that out. Are. But again, even though it's team oriented, it comes down to Bam because of the advantage he has of just being way bigger than anyone on the Celtics. Yeah. Game three, Bam had 31 points on 69% true shooting, 10 rebounds, and he led the Heat in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. That's pretty crazy. It is insane. Um, yeah, he was dominant. Versatile, dominant, and definitely the reason for their victory. Yeah. Do you think that the Celtics are going to have a response tonight in the TD Garden, tying the series up 2-2? Obviously, game four is the pivotal game up yeah. to this point in the series because that's the difference between having to crawl back, win three straight games, or evening up the series, going into Miami with a much better chance of winning two more games. Now, and big part of this is yeah. that in game three, Jason Tatum scored 10 points, took 14 shot attempts, only mm -hmm. made three of them. He was one for seven from three, only took two trips to the free throw line, had six turnovers to four assists, he was not good. Um, yeah, and I like I said earlier, their schematic weakness is size. But I think the something they've struggled with all season is giving up big runs and losing momentum and getting down. Um, yeah. Because they still are young. That's part of it. But just the way they do... It, this has happened over the last few years where they default when they're... When they're on a bad streak, a cold streak, let's say the Heat just went on like a 6-0 run and the Heat are coming up the court, they score again. The Celtics come up and they start to default to this like ISO play and it's always Tatum or Jalen. And Jalen played great, he scored 40 points. Mm -hmm. But um, you can't always just go back to this ISO, like let's get a huge bucket and swing the momentum because they don't really have I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say Tatum is an elite ISO scorer. I, would, I think I'm going to disagree with that. I think he plays better off of screens. And Everyone passes. does. I know, but Everyone I does. think. Well, I'll say I'll say he's elite, but he's not even close to Harden. I guess Harden is just a different. Well, he's the best ever. So yeah. yeah. So I, I was th when I, I was thinking elite, saying. I was thinking like Luca, a James Harden guy, Harden, Luca right now, Durant. Yeah. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. I think that Jason Tatum, all you have to... He's part of that. He, he is, because yeah. defenses treat him... He You do know that he takes the hardest uh, three-pointers in all of the league? I didn't know Measured that. by how much they're I would have thought it would have been Luka. But it is not. It is actually... Jason Tatum takes the hardest three-pointers in the league and makes them at a decently... Looking at the numbers, you think, oh, only you know 36% from three, 39% from three... That's not strong, but when you're taking that difficulty of a shot, yeah. it is important to make them at that sort of a clip, and then he opens up the offense for the rest of the guys, but when he's cold, exactly. they don't have to treat him that yeah. way, and then the whole team basketball that the Celtics have seen success with for the second half of the season is completely out the window. And, and it's not even that they were missing shots in Game 3, which they were, but they were looking very bad. They weren't playing with any sort of process. It looks like Spolstra 
knew their every move. And I think Udoka is a good enough coach where they can have sort of a chess match going back game by game. Because, yeah, they've they've still alternated wins in this series. Like, Heat took game one, Celtics two, Heat three. But, man, game three looked convincing to me. It did. Uh, so we're going to just have to see how Udoka... They're going to have to switch things up in a big way. Well, I hate that this has to happen, but... Hero is out for Game 4, and Butler's going to play a minutes restriction. I think that Game 4 is going to be a blowout victory for the Celtics. Really, I disagree completely. I, I think that the Heat... Hero, you know, we've talked about that a couple times. Not a huge loss, in my opinion. Especially... Well, I agree with that. But if they yeah. need a bucket, then he can get it. True. I don't think they're going to need And many. the other guy is Butler, who's on a minute restri- restriction. Who else is going to be that guy? Bam? I, I don't see... I mean, what... yeah, but... I don't see what the Celtics can do that will change. Except for uh, Ron lineups. Williams. What? Lineups. Well, yeah, lineups. But if they had figured something out, that they would have done it. Uh, Play lineup. Robert Williams. Who has been out. So yeah. that is that is something that will potentially change. We need him. Yeah. His status for game four is he's still day-to-day, so he's questionable. Okay. So we'll have to wait and see on that. I will say, if, if Robert Williams is out, then I think the Celtics are going to lose the game. They need him. Because I think Al Horford overall, I've made the argument a couple times, is the best defender on the Celtics, best big defender on the Celtics. True. But matching up against Bam Adebayo... When when he's playing 42 minutes at age 36 or however old he is... It needs to be Robert Williams III, or at least a combination of him and Horford. Horford can't take that matchup on his own, or yeah. they're in big trouble. Bam is just athletically and from a size standpoint just... Overpowered. They're going to get out-hustled. Yeah. Exactly. Overpowered. So, I would be a little scared if I was a Celtics fan, and I am the... I'm highest on the Celtics every Of anyone year. I know. Yes. But I'm Even a little Even Celtics scared. fan Devin Brunson. Yeah, I know. Well, You're he's always high. pessimistic. Well, but, because they always yeah, lose. Yeah. <laughs> they never fail to disappoint him. But I... Especially in this round of the playoffs. Yeah. But I, I hope... You know, that Robert Williams III, even if he is injured, can play through it. Because I think that's going to be... A big difference. Potentially the the difference of a win or a loss. And if yeah. they lose, I don't see them coming back from 3-1 down. Yeah. But I also don't see Bam doing it alone offensively, which is what he's going to have to do tonight. Because, again, I don't think he's ever going to be that center that is Joel Embiid taking oh, God, every... Oh, no, God, no. Not, not at all. I, I just think that the Heat have a... A fairly balanced attack. I, I mean, they do. Game, in I game agree. three, PJ Tucker scored seventeen points, fifty percent shooting. I mean, that that's solid. Jimmy Butler, exactly. He only played twenty minutes. He only scored eight points. Didn't yeah. have a great game, and they still won pretty handedly. Mm-hmm. Even Lowry had eleven. Max Struess sixteen. DePaul. Yeah, DePaul alum. Yeah. And you have guys off the bench that you never know. If they can supplement that scoring, but they always have the chance to. Yeah. Don't forget, they've got Duncan Robinson waiting always. <laughs> yeah. They do. Uh, Victor Oladipo always has an opportunity. Gabe Vincent. Yeah, Vincent. Can make any shot. So there you go. I, I yeah. think I'm very excited for this, this yeah. one. Because this, I think this is the most important game of the playoffs thus far. And I think we should have seen this being closer than anticipated, but we were a little down on Spolster in the last round. Yes, because he took forever to adjust, beat the Sixers, yeah. who didn't have anything to throw at him that he 
couldn't solve. So the fact that that took so long, yeah. Maybe well, maybe he was studying for the Celtics that far in advance because it looks like he's prepared himself really well. Yeah. I mean, the switch everything defense is back. Yep. And it's working. I think and it comes down to that matchup. Even if Jalen Brown was on fire, even though he had 40 points, it was one of the quietest 40 points I've ever seen. Yeah. Because well, it just felt him, like... Yeah, they were letting him take it. Because they made every shot on offense. Yeah. So, I mean... Good for Spolstra. This is mostly Spolstra and the guys that he's been given. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have our, like, one of leading candidates for Coach of the Year. What we believed was that, you know, Ime Odogo may be the best first-year head coach ever. So yeah. we'll see if he can figure things out, um, especially with the injuries yeah. that are happening to the Heat. You know who else was a strong candidate for best first-year coach ever? Steve Kerr in 2015. Oh, this is a good segue. So let's talk about his current series right now, which I do find very interesting, but it just can't be anymore. The Warriors have taken a 3-0 lead, that impossible to come back from lead, against the Dallas Mavericks. Well, God, it it shouldn't be this one-sided. It shouldn't be. Um, But let me tell you something. Yeah. Just to start the conversation. Please. Um... We always talk about Steve Kerr watching the games yeah, and not he, doing much. He hasn't been doing that. To yeah. last night, yeah, he went in at halftime and made the perfect adjustment and switched to his zone defense after the Mavs shot under. Both teams shot under twenty five percent from three in the first half, but they switched to the Warriors switched to a zone defense, and almost every shot the Mavs took in the third quarter was a three pointer. And this was a game in which Reggie Bullock was 0 for 6 from 3 and 0 for 10 total, I think. Somewhere around there. That was, he's 0 for, um, he was 0 for 10 and 0 for 7. Um, I've never seen Maxi Kleber play worse in a game. He was, he was 0 for absolutely 5. horrendous. And, you know, 0 for 5, not that many shots, but he was gassed. And, and, he, no, and he wouldn't take any he, shots and anymore. He, right. Yeah. But also watching him on defense... Especially chasing rebounds, I've never, I haven't seen anyone play that lazily in the conference final, and I think it's because he's gassed. Yeah, I mean he's had a terrific playoffs. Yeah, which for a player that you wouldn't expect that from, probably takes a heavy toll. Right, because then he started playing more, and now he's yeah. really tired because he couldn't get a rebound w- without Kleber. I don't know why this isn't talked about more. Without Kleber, the Mavericks don't make it out of the first round this year. The Jazz beat the Mavericks without Maxi Kleber. And then he played a huge part in the victory against the Suns. And now, this just frustrating, frustrating series here, where I think both teams have played very evenly. But the Warriors have found ways to win. Offensive rebounds. Yeah, that is a big part of it. Kevon Looney has been terrific. Yeah, and something else we should talk about too that I've been reading. Maybe we'll we should just get to this later. Yes, I'll save that for later. In a series this even, because I know that it looks like the Warriors are winning these games convincingly, but what I'm seeing is shot variance from the Mavericks, which is something that I talk about all the time. That where their shots just aren't falling, they are getting good looks. Yeah, they are. They aren't playing great defense. But the but Kerr adjusted to them having a cold night. And I think maybe yeah. the Mavs could have regained heat by drawing fouls, getting to the rim, getting mm-hmm. higher... Some, you know what they always say. They need to watch a shot fall, and then they can start to get their momentum yeah. back. The Warriors didn't allow that. They 
only allowed three pointers. That was all the Mavs could do. Mm. Was they had this they had this zone where it was all perimeter, but they wouldn't let anyone get to the rim, where every shot was like two feet behind the three point line, with two seconds on the shot clock. You don't want that if you're ice cold from three. Absolutely not. And the Warriors took advantage of it. If you were to tell me without being able to add up the score or to know what the record of this series is, to guess what the record of the series is without seeing what shots have gone in, I would guess that the Mavericks would be up 2-1 right now. Based on how they've played, I think that they have played well enough to have taken two of these games and they have not won a game. They are down 0-3, something that no team in any playoff series has ever come back from. That's not going to change. No. There's just no way. No. And, yeah, they lose their season on a, a pretty disappointing stretch of poor shot making. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, you said it. Reggie Bullock, 0 for 10. Yeah. They lost by 6. The rebound disparity as well. Looney. They, they, the Warriors got like 14 more rebounds total. Still. And twice the offensive rebound. 14 to 7. it was still close. And it was still that close. If you make a couple more shots. But that's what it takes. Yep. And it and that's what the Warriors do. I agree. Is they expose disadvantages, and especially this season with their guys a little older, they can't just rely on pure scoring, like yeah. they did back in 2015. But they do just so much more now, and I think a lot of that is Kerr growing as a coach, maybe because he really has just watched the Warriors in the past. But Some, well, when you have Kevin Durant, then yeah, it's, it's, you just your job. There's is no so adjustments easy. to make. Yeah. But yeah, he's really found out a way to to fix, you know. Well, they play with a few problems. The the Warriors play with a movement offense that yep. is so different than the Suns that I expected this to be a different challenge for the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. The Suns were built off of pretty difficult mid range looks, getting to the rim and mid rangers. Yeah. yeah, and the Warriors have that movement where if you leave any of them open, you're screwed. Yeah, and so the Mavericks just. They've honestly, in a way, they've just gotten unlucky because when the shots are falling, which they do often fall for the Warriors, but they've fallen all three games, and that's just what happens. I have down one more thing to add. So do, before, yeah, I have a yeah, couple just one more thing sure. for me, and sure. then I'll let you, you know. I have a question. Do, do for the you. trip thing. I have a question for you. Okay, um, so I, you know, back to Spolstra, we kind of a lot of people question him sitting Duncan Robinson, who gets paid all that money. Yeah. In the playoffs. Yeah. Davis Bertans gets paid almost as much, and I think they should bench him, just yeah. like Duncan Robinson is, because he he's the bad. worst defender I've ever seen on a basketball court. Yeah. He is so bad at playing defense. I mean, terrible. Yeah. He did have that cool drive and dunk, though, that no one has ever seen from him. Did you see that one? Oh, that was sick. Yeah, yeah. Was he's cool. only taken two two-point attempts in the playoff, and that yeah. was one. He's made them both. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's terrible, and I think they should probably look at benching him because they just get a switch onto him, and then it's over. No matter who's driving on him, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. With that said, with yeah. that in mind, you go ahead. We talked about it briefly a few weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, about the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP. Oh yeah, look at that. That's a new addition. I forgot and about that. With a, a pretty solid certainty that the Warriors are going to win this series. I've already seen some discussion. 
about who should win mm-hmm. the Magic Johnson Western Conference Most Valuable Player. And I would like to get your take on it, because I've seen some takes. So, who would you pick to win? Well, the best player in the series has been Luka. Well, yeah, sure. But, I don't know. You know, if it's a, if it's a sweep or five or six, then it's got to be a warrior. Well, Even if the Mavs lose in seven, I mean, you know, you you can have... I'm sure with this award, it's even more so the losing team can have an MVP. I believe, yeah, I mean, I believe yeah. in that. I do. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not their fault. They do everything they can. I mean, the whole Jerry West thing. Yeah. He totally deserved it. Um, but, you know, if the Warriors... I don't, I don't know. If it's a Warrior. Yeah. Let's assume that it's okay, going to well, be... Because yeah. it will be a Warrior that wins. So, assuming that it's a warrior... Well, bringing most value, Curry. Thank Christ. Because, I mean, if you're looking at anyone else... I mean, you know, there's, especially last night, the off-ball from Curry was immaculate. Yeah. The one where he was in the corner and he faked going towards the middle and then mm. went back out to the corner and then shot it and looked at his bench. That was one of the coolest ones and that kind of put the game away. I mean, he just... He just does so much, even when it, and a lot of it doesn't fill up the box score. And we know Curry for someone who fills up the box score. Yeah. But he does so much else that isn't on the box score that we kind of underestimate his value. And I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. I want to, what are the takes you've seen? Okay. So I've seen two different takes. Kevon Looney? That was one. I I mean, I understand someone making that take. Because he's surprising and he's got having the games of his life. Yeah. I mean, he's never played this great. And then also Andrew Wiggins. Oh, gosh. Which he has been great. Yeah, (laughs) he has been really good. He's locked down Luka really. I mean, he's allowed. I mean, Luka scored 40 last night, but he's still locked down Luka when he's on the floor, (laughs) which is crazy. Yeah. And he had a great scoring night. He had 27. Um, Mm -hmm. But even going back to 2015, even 2018, 2017, I think that Steph Curry has always been the most valuable player on the Warriors. And I understand Mm -hmm. why Kevin Durant had to win the finals MVPs over Mm -hmm. Curry. I get that. Mm -hmm. He made the big shots. I get it. 2015, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with the Iguodala thing. Oh, yeah. It's either LeBron. It was LeBron. Sure, but you, you, they never give it to the losing guy anymore. Yeah. But it should have been Curry. Mm-hmm. Even when he's not making every three that he takes, he's the, the reason why the offense can function. Exactly. And that's why Jordan Poole has been so successful. That's why Clay Thompson, in his you know, riddled down body can still be yeah. semi-successful. I mean, in these playoffs, in the past two series, successful. That's why Kevon Looney can score 20 points in a playoff game. It's because Steph Curry allows everything to open up. That's so true. You can't really focus on any other player on the floor. I mean, yeah. it's amazing what he's able to do. So I would definitely uh, give the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals, and or, uh, yeah, MVP. I mean, put Poole on the Magic, and... He's nothing. Exactly. He really isn't. And that's that's nothing against Jordan Poole. No, it's not at all. He's taken his circumstances, and he's grown as a player, and he gets the credit for that. Right. And when when Curry does leave the Warriors, Poole will be an elite player still mm-hmm. because of that player development that he has given to himself. But he's it's very convenient Uh-oh. to have Curry on your team if you're capable of shooting a three-pointer. Yeah. 
Because you're just wide open all the time. Draymond Green and Stephen Curry optimized the Warriors' offense to the point where any draft prospect that was drafted by Golden State could have been successful, in my opinion. And that's because they have a great scouting department as well. Everything that they've done has been through the draft. They drafted Mm -hmm. Draymond Green. They drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. Everything they've done. They drafted Jordan Jordan Poole Poole, late in the first round. I think 29th. Gary Payton. Yes, Decided to Scotto Anderson. I yes. mean, everyone. So the fact that they've been able to do that is very impressive in my opinion. And it also has me thinking a little bit about what would have happened if the Warriors drafted LaMelo Ball instead of James Wiseman. I think that they would be just as good. I know that it doesn't really make sense to have LaMelo, Curry, Clay, and Poole on the floor at the same time. And if they had drafted LaMelo, Poole probably wouldn't have had the resurgence or not resurgence, you know, Yeah. development that he did have. But my word, they would be the best offense ever. It would be, um, but I'm glad LaMelo is On his own not squad. in that situation. Because I agree with that. He, he will grow the best by being the guy, like the, the guy that brings the ball up the court and does everything. Well, I think, I don't know. Because I... that's where his ceiling is. Like, I think in Charlotte, he has more chance to develop into you know the next you know a taller chris paul than mm-hmm. then you know if he were on the warriors behind everyone else but one day it would have been his team yeah that's true but he would have cool he would have been comfortable in his catch and shoot role you know instead of being the main playmaker and you kind of have to adjust to that yeah whereas in charlotte there's not as much pressure well, i think there were i think there were a lot of possibilities that i just think are cool like i think he, yeah, he no, could I, have, think so. I think he could have been the main playmaker you have curry doing his off ball thing cuz steph curry's the best off ball player true. in nba history but that's what draymond's for that is true i'm yeah. just saying that there are many possibilities I and i still like james wiseman just saying by the yeah. way i think he could still come back and be really surprising sure. cuz he has the athletic tools i mean i it makes sense to me that he was a top three pick. Yes. It does. And I get why the Warriors mm-hmm. picked him. And if they were going to go back and do it all again, they would probably still pick him. Mm-hmm. So I, I do definitely understand that thought process. It's hard for me to work, root for the Warriors because of how much success they've had in ways that I don't really respect with the Kevin Durant thing. It's yeah. hard for me to root for Draymond Green because yeah. I think he's a little bit mean, but he's I, mean. he definitely has his own style, and I think it's good to have different personalities in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but still, I'm not I'm not rooting for them, but I think they're probably going to win it all, which... I thought it was over. Rest in peace. I thought the end of the dynasty happened a while ago. Maybe I'm speaking prematurely, because, you know, the Celtics still... I still love the Celtics, how yeah. they're constructed... And I think that matchup is really good for the Celtics. I do. But... I mean, who, whoever wins this East final is a really good team. Yeah. So, and, yeah. You know, and they have a chance against anybody. I and mean, that's just how they are. And I think the Mavericks maybe, you know, they they got away with having guys like Kleba and, you know, Di- you know Dinwiddie's great, but like, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock as these high minute players because of how great Luca is but you get to a certain point where you're playing these guys 40 minutes and we saw it in Kleba we saw it in Bullock where it's they just they can't handle it as much mm-hmm. as when they're you know there's more of a established 
dynasty-worthy system that is already there in Golden State. And another interesting thing to think about is this will be the first time ever... The first time. ...that we have seen a healthy Golden State Warriors team play in an NBA Finals series against, I'm sorry, a team. Because yeah. normally... And this, this, is, this is all credit to LeBron. Normally yeah. the question is... Can LeBron beat the Warriors? <laughs> yeah. Is LeBron good enough to beat a dynasty? <clears throat> and now it's going to be, are the Heat good enough to beat a dynasty? That's exciting. Yeah. Are the Celtics good enough to beat a dynasty? That's exciting. So yeah. I'm really excited to see that because <clears throat> in 2019, they weren't healthy. Durant went down, Clay went down, and the Raptors won the championship. And that's great. Yeah. I mean, they, they earned it. Yeah. Um, and they were a team. Yeah. That wasn't Kawhi beating the Warriors, I'll tell you that. No. That's something that I have to argue about all the time. Yeah, it was not. No. Um, but yes, I'm very excited for that because I think the Celtics and Heat are both very well-constructed teams, and I'm very glad to be back in an era where that is what is winning. Yeah. Because even though the Warriors have Steph Curry, who's probably a top three most talented player of all time... They don't thrive through they, just him they're still a team they really are they they have earned their success as you much as know I the names of their bench players yeah the Mavs guys maybe some people don't but you know because they're so intricate to the the system i mean when you have draymond green who has never averaged more than 15 points per game in his career no. and he's a household name yeah that's when you know that you've built that's a championship team. He, player. he is the next the current he is the current Dennis Rodman. Yeah, he is. He is, no question. But anyway, it's it valuable. It sucks that this series is three zero. Yeah, because we don't have we have we've seen competitive three games, mm -hmm. but it's not a competitive series just because of that coin flip nature of it. And I'm not saying it's fifty fifty. Yeah, the Warriors are better than the Mavericks, but some of these games have been like just whoever makes their shots. And obviously yeah. that takes skill. It's not luck. Right. But the fact that it has gone the Warriors' way all three games is disappointing for me as a Mavericks fan, as a basketball fan, and as a Luka fan. It's, it's sad. Yeah. And I hope this doesn't tarnish any Luka stuff. It never. He's 23. They, they have to get... They got here. Yeah, he's 23. Yeah. He, he's, they'll be fine. And how did they get here? They beat the freaking Suns. Yeah. So, okay. And the Suns are basically, <laughs> by the way, just the Jazz... With more media attention. Yeah. Because have they had any more playoff success? No. So don't, this is just another reminder, don't blow up the Jazz. Wait. I'm going to let Tripp make this claim. I'm not going to agree or disagree okay. with anything. Well, I just, I hope, I think that... Um, don't. Oh, this is a good segue. I'm not responsible. Because a lot of the trade ideas that I've seen Ooh. for the NBA draft Ooh. include Rudy Gobert. Ooh. So if the Jazz are going to blow up their team, it may come through the NBA draft. And I think that we're ready to move on to that sort of discussion. Mm -hmm. Because the NBA draft lottery occurred last Tuesday, I believe. Uh, yes. It doesn't matter. It just occurred after yes, our last... Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, you're right. And so now... Oh, you were right. We have a set... You said it first. Yeah, thanks, man. Good for you. Now we have a set order Yep. for the NBA draft. And obviously... That's going to change. There are definitely going to be some trades yep. that go down. But now we have the opportunity to talk about fits for some of the top prospects that we covered on last episode. Yeah. If you did happen to miss last episode, we went in 
and analyzed the top five consensus prospects and their strengths and weaknesses, what we like about them, where we would put them, because there's really mm-hmm. not a clear number one guy when yeah. it comes to... For me, there is, and for Ryan, there is. Yeah. But, and they're different. Well, n- not anymore Good. because cool. of... Thank well, we'll just start with this. Orlando is perfect for Chet Holmgren. Yeah. There's not a better team. There's not a better fit. And the fit is so good that they've got to do it. And, you know, we're going to talk about this chart that Trip found in a second. But it's going to explain a lot of why our um, top picks are different. Our, our, why our number ones are different. Our process in drafting may not be the same. Yeah. Ryan and I prioritize different things, as does every team, depending on where they are as a franchise, how deep into a rebuild they are. So, yeah, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, as we go through this. Because I like this chart that Trip found. It's going to be on the Instagram post that announces this episode. So while you're listening to this, go over there right now and look at this chart because we can't really show you because this is a podcast. Yes. You know, we're using microphones, not cameras. It's audio-based. Because we have really ugly faces. Yeah, yeah this is, we're made for the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, go, go look at that so that you can, so that we can guide you through this chart. Yes. So, but, yeah, go ahead and bring it up. Okay. So, if you're looking at it right now, Pavement Sweat Army, you see that, you know, this horizontal line is floor to ceiling from left to right. Yes. And this is basically who you draft, like, where you draft, like, do you draft higher floor or higher ceiling? Like, Chet Holmgren, higher ceiling, lower floor. And Jabari Smith, you're going to get a high floor and then the ceiling is lower. And basically what that means is yeah. a player with a high floor means that there's a very small chance that he will be a bad player. Yeah. Basically, if you're NBA ready right now, you have a high floor because that means that you could walk right in. You're going to be, be a bust. You're going to be a decent NBA player. But that high ceiling means you could be franchise. a superstar, yeah. a franchise player. And oftentimes, the two variables are negatively correlated. The higher the ceiling, the lower the floor. Because Chet Holmgren... There are some people that think that he could be a superstar, but he could also be out of the league in two years. I've seen that. Because of his body. Yeah, and then you've got guys like, in my opinion, Jabari Smith, who has a pretty low chance of being out of the league, but a pretty low chance of being anything more than Otto Porter. So, basically, Mm. I don't really mean that, but I'm just saying that Mm. that is an example of the ceiling-to-floor comparison. And then what is the vertical axis of this chart? The bottom is is fit, so like you know, Chet Holmgren magic. Yeah. And then if you know best player available is the top, which you know for me would be Jambari Smith, but you know maybe for this this is what makes the chart interesting is that it's so situational. Yes. But I think we are going to be in different areas in this place. Yes. Because of what we've chosen as our number one guy. Yes. For me, if I was a team like the Orlando Magic who have yeah. virtually no foundational superstar. Mm-hmm. They can move in any direction. But they have foundational 
championship pieces. Exactly. Franz but they Wagner, need one guy. They need you don't have your guy. Yeah. If I am the Orlando Magic in that yeah. circumstance, I would be prioritizing almost completely ceiling, ceiling. and best player available. Mm-hmm. Because you have a strong base, but you don't want another base player. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to have your I mean, if like using the Warriors, you don't want another Jordan Poole. You want to get your Steph. Exactly. Right now. And for me, like I said on the last episode, basically, no matter who got the number one pick, I'm picking Chet Holmgren. Because anybody in the lottery, unless you have a crazy circumstance that involved a past trade. Like, for example, uh, the Celtics were able to acquire Jason Tatum because they had acquired the Brooklyn Nets pick in a trade a long time ago that included Mm -hmm. Doc Rivers, a coach in a trade, Paul Pierce, uh, Kevin Garnett. And so the Celtics had an opportunity to draft for fit because they were a team that already knew what direction they were headed. The Warriors at number two, uh, two years ago, they had tanked basically because everybody was injured. They were in a gap year, more or less. So they were drafting for fit. The best player available on the board was LaMelo Ball. They drafted James Wiseman because they already had Steph Curry. They Mm -hmm. already had Klay Thompson. But... For all the teams high up in the lottery this season, all of them are rebuilding. They are deep rebuilding. Mm-hmm. They don't have a solid direction. And that's why I think Chet Holmgren would be their pick. Because Chet Holmgren is the guy with the highest ceiling in the draft. Best player available in my eyes. You have okay. a different opinion on that. But also, the Orlando Magic lucked out because he is a yeah. perfect fit for what they have perfect. right now. He can stand alongside Wendell Carter Jr. in the front court. Mm-hmm. You've got Franz Wagner at the wing, Markel Fultz or Jalen Suggs. That's going to be something they got to figure out, by the way. And Cole Anthony. And Cole Anthony in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Because I think Markel Fultz next season has a pretty good chance to be the most improved player. I think he's very... I, I agree. If I were to bet on it right now and I had to pick one guy, I'd pick him. Yeah. Very talented. And injuries have kind of derailed what he has going on. But mm-hmm. he is if a, he's healthy, he's a very talented playmaker. I'm excited sure. to see what he does. And Jalen Suggs, he's going to be a two-way star. Yeah. He is. I still have a firm belief in that. So, And then Cole Anthony can be your sixth man of the year. I mean, on a championship team. Potentially, yeah. Just scoring at a more efficient rate than Tyler Hero at his mm-hmm. peak. Yeah. So, And then Chet I Holmgren like is the guy... That everything it all surrounds. I agree. He's your scorer. He's your rim protector, an elite rim protector. He can shoot from the outside. Mm-hmm. He is that guy. I, I think that Chet Holmgren is the no-brainer number one pick for the Orlando Magic. I find myself rooting for this, even though it would mean terror for the Eastern Conference in yeah, the next decade, which my Cleveland Cavaliers will be looking to make their with their all their peak players. Yes. Maybe a few years earlier, but they're going to run into the Magic at some point. And oh, I'm yeah. very scared that there will be no way of stopping the starting five at that point. And even yet... Because you've got a defensive... you got a two-way superstar. you got a two-way star. you got an elite playmaker. You've got a... If he reaches his ceiling, a Hall of Fame center mm. who can do literally everything. You have a playmaking wing who can slash, and you have... Wendell Carter, who can pack the paint, yeah, both offensively and defensively. So, I don't. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, very exciting to see. Yeah, 
You want to move on? I think I. I, I well, like to where do you sit on this chart? Because let's let's go back to the chart. The chart. Because right. I want to see where you are and where I am. No, I'm. I'm generally. B basically, in okay, in general, I am. In general, I'm in the middle. I'm gonna point to it while I'm describing it. So he's in the top right quadrant, yes. in the middle, very of middle. Best of player available and ceiling are what I value most. I'm not gonna go with pure gambles because you definitely mm -hmm. want. Um, if you, if you do get lucky enough in the lottery, especially to have a number one pick, you don't want to go crazy and pick a guy yeah. that you don't know if he's going to be good or not. But somebody that you have decent confidence is going to be an NBA player who has the potential to be Giannis, a superstar. That's where I'm picking. And where do you lie? Um, so obviously I'm closer to the left. I'm, I'm left of the middle line. Okay. Um, the fit and BPA thing is difficult for me because of it depends on the team a lot of the times like we talked about the warrior situation yeah. but if you're But a, I think generally yeah. you're supposed to go with BPA if you're a top let's say a top 5 pick definitely then I I definitely think that I lean strongly over to BPA so I'd say I'm I'm oh I don't know if I'm higher probably higher than the middle of I'm gonna say top left. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the top left quadrant. Which means that you are, so we're the I'm same. I'm BPA and floor, but I'm closer to the middle than you are. Yeah. So I'm closer to the, B, the See vertical line. line. Yeah. Um, but I'd say generally I like if especially if I'm a top five pick, then. And let's say I'm a franchise that's been constantly bad. Yeah. Especially with development. Or on like the Thunder where I'm packing so many players that have to develop in at once. I mean, I think Jabari Smith is perfect at number two for the Thunder because he can come in and they don't have to develop him as much as they're already doing the other guys. Yeah. Like, you know, those, you know, the Robies and the, I mean, you've got so many guys on the Thunder that, you know, do that. So I'd say um, that... Generally, I'm I'm more on the left side, but closer to the middle, and probably a little bit higher towards. Or I'll say I'm about where you are, BPA. I think we feel the same way about the BPA fit line. So basically, what you're saying, I, I heard you say it, that you think that a team like the Thunder, who are very strategically rebuilding, yes, and have many picks throughout the next few years, yes. should pick a safer bet. I think that y when you have a a, a NBA ready player like Jabari Smith, mm -hmm. you can just bring him in and he can already set an example and you have less work to do with all your, I mean, when you're, when you're developing as many players as the Thunder, literally everyone, yeah, no one is even close to their peak yet on the team. Not even Shea is, he's still three years, four years out from his peak. Yeah. Years. Very talented. And he's the, the, the most professional player on the team, I'd say. I would agree with that because they don't have, you know, you know Derek Favors, whoever that you know. Whatever. Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. come on. Um, but yeah, so I think if you bring a more pro-ready player in, you have less work to do with him. He can already set an example, and on the court already has better results. Mm -hmm. And then maybe he's not your franchise player, but he's someone that gets you there to okay. the point where you have, you know, you still have to have that Chet Holmgren. But if you're in a, a franchise that's kind of sloppy, they're kind of a mess, they have so many picks, they don't know what to do with them, 
then I think you need a guy that can just come in and, and be ready. Interesting. So I think that we agree. I agree with everything you just said. I just disagree on what player fits that mold at number two. I think it's funny that we basically started a mock draft. Can we just keep it going? Sure. I like it. So with my number two pick, I, I heard you say it. You think the Thunder should go Jabari Smith because yeah. you think he's that safe guy. Yeah. I think that the player with both the higher floor and the higher ceiling after Chet Holmgren is Paolo Bancaro. He's more NBA ready right now. He has the physical tools to be a matchup nightmare. He's not more NBA ready. He's six foot ten and he can he's the best passer in the draft at six foot ten. He has a weaker defense than Jabari Smith, but on offense he could be again generational. He has such potential. But then he has like the health concerns and I That's mean, a very minor thing, in my opinion. But it it might not be. We've never seen anything like that before. Um I just I, I disagree. I don't think he has a higher. I, I definitely don't think he has has a higher floor right now. I think he's better. I think right J- now. Jabari Smith is are is better right now. Well, then I guess we just disagree on. That. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Wow. That's fine. Okay. Jerk. But Oklahoma no. City, I think the easy pick is Jabari Smith. I don't think they have to put much thought. Into I think it. that's the pick that most people are going to be pushing for, unless he goes number one. Because I've still seen a lot of disagreement over that, which I just, that's ridiculous. I just don't understand yeah. it. Okay, so if you have Jabari at number two, do you finally have Paolo at number three to Houston? Yes. And I, I have, have him. And I have Jabari at number three. Yeah, and, and Jabari's probably a better fit in Houston. Yeah, he but is. But Houston is so bad. I mean, they are terrible. terrible. Yeah. Um, Chet would have fit well there because they could finally get rid of Christian Wood, who like doesn't want to be there, maybe? It's hard to tell. Yeah. He doesn't fit with their timeline, although right. I think he's a great talent, but he yeah, doesn't he fit. he doesn't. With... You're right. And they would get good value in, in a trade for that. But Chet is not going to go that far, and um, at that point, it's fully BPA. It's fully best player available because the gap between these top three and, and the four yeah. and five is pretty big. I'm going to have to uh, agree with you. Do you want to keep going? Because we, ha- we have our top... Three. I mean, we could do the next two. Yeah, I, think... I mean, there's Sacramento. I mean, Jaden Ivey is like the same as Davian Mitchell. Jaden Ivey is he's the consensus be- four. Yeah. I, my number four, we didn't get to this guy on okay. the last episode. We didn't get to talk about my number four prospect because the mm-hmm. consensus top five in this order, consensus, are Jabari Smith, yep. Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro. Jaden Ivey and Shaden Sharp. Sharp. Yeah. And I said last episode, Shaden Sharp is my number seven. Ivey's my number Which five. Makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. he's so he's so uncertain. Yeah. Uh, my number four is another guy from Duke, AJ Griffin. And many right. people have said that he's a potential top five pick. Okay. He probably won't be based on everything that has led up here. Yeah. But he's six foot six. 222. He's a, he's another. He's a, he's pretty reminiscent of Jabari Smith Jr. Um, he was on the ACC All Freshman team, but basically any top five guy is going to be. I just love his physical tools as a scorer and as a defender, similar to Jabari Smith. He's just a little bit of a discounted version, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up similar players. Amazing defender. So if yeah. I if I were Sacramento, talking about a high floor guy. Mm-hmm. I would take A.J. Griffin because it. my entire philosophy 
about ceiling versus floor is out the window if I'm the Kings. Uh, absolutely. High it's, floor. It's got to be high floor. Every time. I definitely agree with that pick. They can't do anything. I definitely agree with that pick. So you'd put them they, there? They, they cannot take a gamble because every time they do, they screw it up. Yep. And they don't have the development staff yeah, for that. They need someone who can... They just need the, the guy that can come in and change a culture. Yeah. Which... I mean, they can't do it with someone with a low floor. But don't get me wrong, though. I do believe that A.J. Griffin is the fourth best player sure. in this draft. Yeah. B- throwing but he's floor. got a very high four. Floor. Yeah, exactly. And then Detroit, I would pick, I think, Jaden Ivey is a perfect is fit. Clean, yeah, perfect. Yeah. And the, uh, the Pistons are another team that scares me. Why is that? Going into the future as a Cavs oh, fan. Oh, yeah. I was about because, to say, I thought you were scared about no, the future. Yeah. I mean, Kate Cunningham is their, is their playmaker. Do they have to really develop Ivy into a playmaker anymore? Not as much. Nope. He can just be their electric scorer and, I mean, kind of like a... They can make him what the Magic will make Jalen Suggs. Yeah. I mean, the same kind of thing. I think basically... Which is perfect for a championship team. I think they're both going to have two primary playmakers, which I know doesn't make much sense. It does in today's NBA. But I guys think... guys like Franz Wagner. When it comes to, like, primary ball handler and secondary, I think that line for both the Magic and the Pistons is going to be very blurred. Yeah. Because I actually, I would prefer Cunningham as the off-ball and Jaden be the on-ball. I can see that. But he's, he's a little bit slower like Doncic, you know? Oh, sure, sure. But Ivy... So it's hard to be, like, off-ball quick and, you know... I mean, I, I, definitely, I definitely hear you, yeah. but I think living up to Luka, nobody can do it. No. But Ivy is more of a traditional point guard, kind of like Jaws, the point guard for the, exactly. the Grizzlies. He's, he's more John like Murray that. comparison is the most common that I've seen. And the only problem Which with he won't reach, Cade right. Cunningham last year was I think that his volume was a little bit it too, was, too it high. Was, it was high, yeah. I don't think they're going to be a championship team if they play a heliocentric form of basketball just around him. I don't think they will. I no. think they, they had to to get wins last season. Mm-hmm. And Which they it didn't, didn't work do. out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is fine for them because they now have a chance to get Jaden Ivey, which, you know, falling to five sucks for them. but Big time. But getting Jaden Ivey might be the the best pick they can make. At five, of I think anyone. it is. Well, well I, I, what I was going to say, actually, is that they they were tied for the third best odds, were they not? To have the they were tied for the first best odds. That, that's what I meant. They yeah. were they were one of the three teams. They with, had the highest chance to get number one with, with a two four, other fourteen percent chance, yeah. and that was the Magic, the Rockets, and the Pistons. Yeah. So the Pistons fell further than anybody in this lottery, right? And it's very disappointing because if the Pistons were in the top three, you have two superstars mm-hmm. in Detroit, and that's. I just, mean, it happened with, you know, the Cavs. We had to draft Isaac Okoro at five, mm-hmm. and we had the best odds for one. Yep. We had to draft Okoro for five. Looking at it now, we have the pieces, whereas Okoro can be a perfect championship two-way player. Mm-hmm. So in the Pistons situation, where they're building around a breakout Sadiq Bay, mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham, I don't think uh, Stewart's gone. Jeremy uh, Grant, and Grant is going to be there for long. I don't even know if he'll be on the roster. Stewart is awesome, but he's not a right. Really, he may be on he the could, team, but he's not a starting center. Exactly. No. But they're starting to build the the pieces to be there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll suck for another year and get their Evan Mobley. Exactly. But 
I mean, if you're going to settle at five, I think Jaden Ivey is a, the best way to go. And that's another question that I want to pose to you. And it's the best fit. If I were if I were on this chart and I were completely at the bottom, yeah. then and I were a Pistons executive, I would be happy with five. I'd be like, whatever, let's, let's do Jaden Ivey and get the best. Because I don't think the Kings are going to get him because they have Davian Mitchell. And De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I so think there's it would, no reason. They have too many guards. It would be silly. Yeah. As as much as I would say that the Kings should draft best player available and not fit, it wouldn't make any They should sense. go highest floor. And especially, they've already committed. I don't know if you remember. You will. They've already committed to not drafting the best player available because of De'Aaron Fox. Because when they were sitting pretty at number two in the 2018 draft and Luka Doncic was on the board, they went with Marvin Bagley III because they already had their point guard. Yep. Which was a shame. Was wrong. Yeah. But speaking of being happy at number five, or in Houston's case, being happy at number three, yeah. you have two veteran guys who don't work for your timeline. If you're the Pistons, are Agreed. you going to try to move Jeremy Grant to move up in the draft? I think that I think the answer is yes, you would try. But the better question is, would any of the top three teams, Orlando, Oklahoma City, or Houston, be interested in moving down to number five with Jeremy Grant in mind? I think the answer is no. no. I think the answer is no. No, yeah. not at all. I think so. In fact, yeah. especially not OKC. No. Um... And Orlando doesn't make Orlando sense. doesn't make sense at all. Houston, well, Houston doesn't make sense, but I mean they have the kind of front office that might do that. Yeah, because they're silly. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think they will pull that plug. And there's no reason to not. I mean, again, like what we said earlier in this episode, the gap between the top three and everyone else is pretty big. Yeah, I, I mean. Agree. We're talking about high ceilings and high floors and whatnot, but I mean, even though Chet has a like a lower floor than the other two guys in the top three, his floor is still, like I mean, significantly. You're higher. still gonna get more out of him than everyone else in this draft, then unless can, something crazy, which happens every which year, which does happen, yeah. but foreseeably, yeah, you are right. Looking at it now, you know, we yeah. there's there might I mean, chances are there's gonna be a Tyrese Halliburton that's picked like 12, who's really great. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, this happens every time, but who can predict that? Exactly. It's hard to predict. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing to keep in mind. As Pavement Sweat this summer goes kind of crazy with the NBA draft talk, because yeah. I think I would like to get pretty deep into this draft yes, with, the, with the prospects. It's very, very easy to get excited about prospects, looking at their upside. But you, I don't think will ever, in the history of the NBA draft, find a top five where every player is an all-star. I don't think that you will no, ever do I it. I don't think it'll ever happen. And it, it just won't. And in our top five, which we do have the same five guys, according to this mock draft, yeah. Chet, Jabari, Paolo, AJ Griffin, and Jaden Ivey. It Ivy, just makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Not all five of them will be an all-star. No. Maybe not even three. You just right. don't know what's going to happen. So as exciting as it is to talk about the upside of some of these prospects, and it is great. I mean, you find great guys in the 20s every year. It happens. Bones yeah. Highland, a great late first-round pick last season. A perfect late first-round pick. It happens, yeah. exactly. But keeping that in mind, not all of these guys, even in the first round, are even going to play next year. And then your sleepers might not even, you know, 
we haven't seen your guy that you were happy about the Sixers drafting drafting like at all we have not seen him Who, what's his name in fact i don't even remember but it starts with a j yeah it is exactly skipper that, or something that's like another that, thing right? jaden springer springer yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. from tennessee we he haven't done anything we haven't seen him in the nba he's yeah. played g- significant g league minutes and he's looked pretty good yeah. and i'm excited about <laughs> that another guy that fit, fit that mold last season sharif cooper of the Atlanta Hawks, who Which I was... you're ex- still excited about, maybe? I am, but yeah. um, the Hawks drafted him from Auburn to back up Trey Young, and he has not done anything. He's been a G League guy. Which is fine. But again, these prospects, you can be a good prospect and a bad player. It happens. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's important to talk about it. Let's... That's what we do here at Pavement yeah. Sweat. So we're going to keep that going, especially as the NBA action yeah. dies down. We only have two series going on, and I think that by next week... Yeah. We may either have zero series in the conference finals left, or we'll be late into mm-hmm. the Miami-Boston series, but who knows? Yeah, who So knows? we're going to get into the prospect stuff. If you have another topic that you want us to tackle, we're at that time of the year again with a lot more freedom Yeah. to talk about yeah. whatever you'd like. Yeah, we're almost there. Yeah, so definitely hit us up with some of those suggestions. Yeah. Very excited to talk about. I mean, that chart thing was fun today. It was. Thanks for finding that trip. No problem. I I was excited to see it, and I knew it was something that we could discuss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it's great that you thanked me, but we need to thank the listener for making it this far in the episode. And guess what? What? If you've been here all this time, then you may know that yesterday was our 11-month anniversary of the first episode we've ever recorded so we're we're approaching one year of pavement sweat which is crazy so get your merch yes and there's going to be a one-year special for sure but we're almost there hopefully the finals will be just ending so that we can yeah celebrate yeah but you know we're getting hyped for that so look out for that get the merch and thank you for being with us for all this time and if you're new Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Stick with us. Check out some of those other episodes if yeah. you'd like to. But and most with importantly, that, yeah. <laughs> with that, you some, know what's coming yeah, next, you know baby. what we gotta do, man. And that is to spread, spread peace, love, and joy. joy.